Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Blind Bargains. It's Joe Bot. No, wait, I'm not by myself. <gasps> oh my gosh! Look, it's a JJ. It's a spying. Spying. Look, he's right here. It's, I spied him. He's right it, there. Hi. It's not really I, me. I, it's, I, it's my prime. But. <laughs> No. Oh. <laughs> I, yeah, I figured I'd show I like up for, it. I heard Greg was here. I didn't come to talk to you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Hello, J oh, Prime. Oh, no. I, hey, we got it. <laughs> hey. There we go. It's JJ Prime. How are yes. you, man? <laughs> I, I'm doing all right. <laughs> Jay, Jay, during the pandemic, just sends out his Prime everywhere. Uh, it's an NFB joke and the 100 joke all at the same time. You just you just don't know what a sci-fi oh, joke yeah. you made for me. That's really good. I, I have like no it. idea. I really have no yeah, idea. So JJ's back. <laughs> That's okay. That's quite all right. When you get to uh, the 100 season seven, you'll know. You'll you'll be fine okay. on Netflix, by the way. Keep waiting. Hey, everybody. We're back. And yes, Greg is indeed here because Greg had asked a long time ago that, hey, when you're going to do one of those Apple things, I'd like to show up and talk some about Apple. And I thought, well, hey, that guy knows products. He's developed one or two. He might actually have some really good, legitimate things to say about Apple products that you haven't heard Jay and I say about 600 times. And with Shelly not here to stop me, then you have me on. I need Greg. You have you have, you have me on after the the Apple event that we just had. Like that's the one you choose. Well, <laughs> no, absolutely, because we got to break in. You know, put you right into if the you can deep handle end of this the pool one, of Apple Park. If you can handle this Apple event, you can handle any Apple event. Uh, but it's no cool. Kidding. Yeah, cool to have you on in, you in, in a in a non. Uh, I don't want to say non professional. <laughs> you know. You, you don't have to uh, rep a company, you know. You, the real Greg. Let's see what we get. I've interviewed Greg many times. That, that's a very loose definition. This is the unprofessional Greg. Uh-oh. <laughs> you have to buy but, the uh, graphics upgrade for the better visual Greg experience. Yes, that's yeah. true. The integrated <laughs> Greg and the external Greg. That's, Come back next year for the Greg Stilson uh, Plus. That's right. That's what I do. <laughs> oh man well, when conventions come back in it's greg stilson max yeah, it is good to hear you guys' voice so i'll tell you that it, it's been a it's been a long year yeah yeah it has and it's still going so but uh, what did you well, say usually six, we would have seen each weeks. other at least three more times yes. by now <laughs> yes that's true don't wish that there'll be three more apple events before then it's been a long year. It's it's been a long year. Um, I, I know I've been away for a minute, but I just want to thank Joe and everyone else for kind of putting out some content while I've been uh, not hiding, just been doing all sorts of other things as well. So um, we do appreciate your support. We know we're not coming out weekly, but we try to put out things uh, here and there. We we actually do have some plans, so we might be coming out almost weekly in the next few weeks. If I say it now, that means we have to do it. So if I say it on air, I was about to say exactly your. He's your like, wait, wait, what are you promising? Um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We didn't talk before we started to hit yeah, the record well, button. We, what are we? What are we we're, uh, we're working uh, on cooking next, so yeah. it's going to be. I don't, think, I don't think Joe's in that That's one. So you know. True. So uh, all, by the way, uh, speaking of coming up, I am up, not in that one, but I have benefited from all the testing. Yes. So I am very oh, happy about go. the cooking segment. And also coming up, besides cooking, is buying stuff. So a tradition around the podcast, and yes, I guess we've been around long enough to have some traditions. This will be the sixth year of the Blind Bargains Holiday Shopping Spectacular, or whatever you want to call it. That's usually right around Black Friday, the Thanksgiving weekend. So if you or you know a small business that wants to be a part of that, let us know. It's very affordable. We do not charge a lot for it. We just try to kind of showcase a whole bunch of especially small businesses. So if you want to reach a few thousand people, 
just uh, email feedback at blindbargains.com. And uh, if you can let us know within the next uh, week or so, we can uh, work you in. We can, you can either produce it yourself or we can do an interview or we can read it. Or, you know, there's a million different ways we can do it. So just, just let us know. We'd love to have you on. That way it's not just AT guys for an hour. Yeah, and if you want to hear what that's like, head on back to the archives and hear our previous ones. You'll get an idea (laughs) of the format and some things that that others had done. (laughs) Well, the nice thing is if you choose not to record it, then you get to have Patrick record it. And so that's even better. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) For sure, definitely. Don't promise more work to Patrick. This is an evil thing. Don't, no, 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 no. I should have given you a list of rules before we started recording. Oh, oh. We skipped an event in October. It was probably the first iPhone event that I've skipped in like 10 years. And uh, that was really weird. But to be honest, we kind of sort of touched around it when we were doing our iPad event back in September. Yep, three three uh, events. That's kind of crazy. Got an iPhone 12 in the house, Jay. Actually Ooh. looking at a standard, regular, plain Jane. Ugh. Max Mini Pro. It's, it's, it's just, just just a 12. Pro Plus? Pro Plus Mini? It's just a... Just Mini a, Plus? Just a 12. <laughs> oh. Just a standard old boring sorry. 12. Why did... Big okay. blocky 12. <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> but I do have a poll up on uh, Twitter asking people, and by the time you hear this, it, it'll be done, but I asked whether we should upgrade from 8 and 8 Plus. Were we just being silly? Because Greg's been upgrading. Uh, Greg had a 10 series phone, and we've talked about Face ID on the phone a couple of times, Greg and I have. And, you know, I was like, okay, am I just being like, you know, old man, get off my lawn kind of guy is face ID, all that awful. And Ricky says, yes, I kind of got used to it. I, I, uh, Patrick also has said this, where you just, after a while, your finger just sort of lands where you needed to be. And you develop a muscle memory for not having the home button with the thing where it vibrates, you know, halfway up, but I'm happy to go back to my eight plus, but here's the deal, gentlemen got 83% battery left and I can't get it repaired because well, all the app stores are uh, closed and uh, Best Buy is an authorized service center, but they're not taking in anything because of the pandemic. So the only way that I can get out of my quandary is to upgrade or buy new Apple eight. And I'm not doing that. So what do you think, Greg? I mean, how was the learning curve? You got it to work and you're getting a new phone. What was going through your mind when you chose? So it's a, it's a good question. I would divide it into really two parts because it's face ID and the home button are two different sort of learning curves that people need. Right. So I would say that, you know, before pandemic and before face masks, face ID was fine. Like there, I I wouldn't say I, I still prefer the touch ID, but you learn real quick and it's reasonably fast to be able to align it to your face. Now, granted, I do still get more failures with Face ID than I ever did with Touch ID, but then again, you can pick your phone up with wet hands and unlock it now, whereas you couldn't do that with a wet finger when you put it on the on the Touch ID thing. So everything has its pluses and minuses. With the pandemic and with face masks though, let me tell you, like if you're you're out and about, it is annoying to have to either you try not to pull your mask down first off, but second of all, then if you choose not to do that, you're always typing in your passcode, right? And so that's where I do see touch ideas. My my wife has the, she upgraded from the original iPhone SE to the 2020 iPhone SE. And I was 
using your phone the other day, and let me tell you, I, I, I forgot how efficient that Touch ID was. Having said all that, <laughs> from a learning curve, it's not... Yeah. It's not bad. It's, it's you know, as, as Patrick said, your finger naturally falls. And the thing is, is that you don't have to visually, I think you, you called it out, that there's a visual representation of where that sort of, where to start your swipe up from the bottom. But the reality is you don't have to start it in the middle. Yeah. You can start it anywhere and you get that little haptic feedback and the little sound to tell you. And it just becomes muscle memory at some point. Um, I had a 10 and i had that with my my old job and i didn't really want to upgrade but my lightning port on my 10 is so bad now when you plug it in unless you have it aligned exactly right you just hear vroom, 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 over and over and over and over again until you uh hope that it's actually charging wait, with the wait, lightning what was cable. that sound again it was that sound um <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh don't worry Patrick needed bloopers. We got that. Oh, that's, that's, that's if, if you can, that's yeah, it. I want to see if I can actually make it do it. But it's going to make um, a song out of it or something. Every time you plug it in, if you even like look at it the wrong way, it will disconnect from charge. And so there's that. Plus, I think I'm probably at the same battery capacity as you where I, I, uh, I start using it at eight o'clock in the morning and by about 1130 in the morning, it's like at 10% battery. So at this point I was like, all right, well, I've always been a fan of the smaller phones, and so when I saw the Mini come out, it was one of those things where I'm like, well, that may be the phone that I'm good to get. So I, I did do the pre-order. It's supposed to come on Friday, and uh, we'll see how I like it. Yeah, the large print phone, or the iPhone Pro Max 12, is very enticing, even though it's pretty much a phablet. I mean, it is a phone tablet, the largest iPhone Apple's ever made. But there's certain things that I like about it, and then there's certain things I don't. Uh, one being that I still have enough vision that I can see the benefits of a 120 megahertz display, and it seems really like an expensive phone not to have that. I mean, I understand why it doesn't, being that parts, and they wanted to make sure they got 5G in there, and I like the idea of a bigger battery, and I'm home, you know, not traveling nearly as much as I used to be. So for me, I really read the Verge's review, uh, Mili Patel saying, you know, this is a great phone. If you're sitting on the couch on Wi-Fi and not traveling, you know, if you were traveling, then this would probably be a, a more of a problem. So I I'm still on the fence because again, I can't get the batteries replaced, which was the, the, the whole plan was to replace the batteries in our eights. If there was no touch ID this generation. So I, I don't know. Um, the benefits, of course, Jay and I talked about this shortly after we recorded, it actually does impact blind individuals. So for people who chose an SE because of the size of the home button, one of the downsides is battery life. The phone that you're considering or have pre-ordered, Greg, has been called out in reviews for having the need for battery management because, you know, smaller phone, smaller battery. The larger phones don't have that problem. Yeah, I've read conflicting articles or messages about that. I've, I've read some folks who say, yes, it is significantly decreased, and then others who said that it was only minorly less. So, And it also depends significantly on whether you're connecting to 5G or not. And I think um, that's one thing in all of these phones that we're going to encounter is the 5G drain on your battery is going to be pretty significant. And it's one of those things where when you're using your first sort of gen 5g apple device to to do that i they they probably still got work to do on optimizing it for 5g unfortunately i think the the smaller phone's probably going to fall victim to that the most 
and you can go in and, and turn that stuff off. So you can actually tell it not to use that radio, which is kind of nice because not, not a lot of people have 5g. Uh, the, the United States is woefully behind in the rollout. Uh, and even where you do have it, it's not blisteringly fast. It's actually in some cases a little slower than LTE, depending how it was implemented. But Jay, there were other things with the new phones that we learned about. And how do you feel about having to have a bit of a paywall for some features that might benefit you as a blind individual being that of course, having the two extra cores on the larger end phones for machine learning, which helps us with image and text identification, but moreover, the LIDAR, we found out yes. that, well, you will be able to use that and be able to see how far away someone is or tell how tall they are, get an idea about people, you know, how, how many are in a room, but it's a pretty hefty price tag for that early adoption. And that one's only on the pro, correct? Or pro max or what's the, all these, see all these models blend into me. Yeah. Just on the pro pro just and on then the, the pro max. So pro so and pro max. Right. So obviously everyone knows that iPhone is a secondary operating system for me since I'm an Android guy, but I do have an iPhone because I do testing and other things on it. And it's good to have it and to see what's going on. So my current iPhone is an iPhone seven. So obviously that needs to, you know, at the beginning of this, in the beginning of the summer, I was just under the impression like, Oh, thank you, Apple. You're going to be another year of updates. That is one of the most awesome things about Apple. I don't have to worry about an upgrade yet. I have another year. But then the news started to filter out first about the image recognition stuff. So yes, my iPhone 7 will do the basics as far as trying to recognize icons. Some of that's been around since before uh, iOS 14. But the newer features of interpreting an entire screen and providing roles for content and doing the more advanced image manipulation stuff is not on the 7. So that got me thinking, okay, what can I get? So that led me towards, oh, I'm going to get an SE 2020. Because yes, I do really do like on my Android, I like fingerprint ID. I like being able to do that. And one of the reasons I didn't really switch to a Pixel 4 from a 3 was the lack of fingerprint ID. Now, of course, the Pixel 5 brings that back. So that was my choice. And I think I probably mentioned that on the September show until the day after we recorded that show when we started to learn, okay, that image stuff, I need the SC2020. And... The LiDAR stuff needs the Pro Max or the Pro and Pro Max. So, yeah, now I'm kind of stuck in this quandary of do I want to go all all in or is the LiDAR thing kind of one of those things where it sounds cool in theory. It's going to take a little while for it to develop, kind of like how Bose Frames had all this promise of AR and a bunch of people bought it for that, but it never really developed or materialized. You know, is LiDAR just going to be a cool little gimmick where I can wave it around the room and it'll say, yes. Greg is eight feet away. Oh, that's cool. And that's kind of nifty, but I could just say hi to Greg and figure out the same piece of information, maybe not to the foot, but you know, how useful will that really be? Or are there other applications that will take that a step further that really will make it useful? So yes, now it did kind of put off for me. Am I going to buy an SC 2020? You know, I could probably get a refurbished one for three, three and a quarter maybe, or do I want to wait and or try to figure out if more things are going to happen with the iPhone 12 Pro and then eventually trade my 7 for that? The other thing I was looking at, Jay, is with the SE 2020, when, I was, when my wife was getting it, 
and and I need to confirm this, but I didn't see on the SE twenty twenty the UWB chip, so the ultra wideband, um, whatever they're calling it, that's going to go in the Air Tags thing, right? So that you could do much more sort of to the foot location or to the mm. meter location, right? And I I I didn't see that in the specs, and it could be that I just missed it, but and I was maybe I'm shorting at, myself, right? Could, Am I shorting myself by getting an SC twenty twenty? And the screen also would be smaller for me. I mean, I guess it'd be the same size as my seven right now, but mm -hmm. I do like the bigger pixel, and I'm one of those blind people that does like the bigger screen. It has nothing to do with seeing it. It has everything to do with having more screen real estate to put more icons on or more items at the same time. I like the bigger screens. Do you use the Braille screen input side of things? I know they just put that into Android. Uh, do you use that much on your? So yeah, to a, an extent, I'm waiting for the tabletop mode, and I know that's something that they're probably going to work on at some point. I seem to prefer that. It's very backwards for me because I expect dot one to be where dot three is, and you can kind of reverse things to an extent, but I've never been able to get it to work. So sure, I use more Braille displays and Bluetooth keyboards than I do the that at the moment. But, yeah, that's what I hear from folks who use the bigger screens is they like that if you're going to be using the I can the see it. I, I think it's haven't got used to it yet. I, I, I just haven't got used to it. You know, anything, one less device to carry around, I would love to figure that out. But do I want to spend a thousand bucks on an iPhone 12 Pro, especially that's not my primary phone? Yeah. I think that's a no. I, I know I don't want to. <laughs> Probably not yet. <laughs> that right. If some amazing light, like if something with the lidar, or some some of these technologies come out and they're absolutely amazing, and they give me access to things that I've never been able to do before that would be useful in my day to day life. Then that's where I start thinking about it. Yeah, when I was when I was looking at what the lidar does, at least in the development access, it looks like the APIs that you get access to are strictly through the camera and sort of the photo taking aspect of it, and. What I'm understanding is, is the feedback that you're getting is is generally through the camera app interface. And as you're moving around, you're getting sort of real-time feedback. What concerns me is when you start to integrate that, because where I see benefit there is when you're dealing with indoor-outdoor navigation experiences. And I don't know if any of that gets exposed to the location services APIs yet. But like I said, I haven't looked strictly into that but at least right now it seems strictly on just camera and that's interesting as you look at some of the indoor navigation uh you look at uh good maps formerly access explorer they're kind of going towards that model of not using beacons for everything indoors but actually using other positioning methods that don't rely on actual beacons being installed everywhere clue is an app that uses a lot of ar to locate you and maybe it could t tap into something if you're right if the api allows it yep and i think it, we're we're gonna see that happen and this is what apple generally does with new tech is they expose it in one thing first start to prove out and i think they're doing mm -hmm. that right now in the ar kit as well as in the ar kit because it's using the camera they're 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 using that to expose it and they're saying all right what really cool things can you do there they prove it out and then they expand the the access from there. So it, it, it kind of goes with the the traditional so invites for all sorts of things because you could scan the AR code in an invite to get this little stuff about what they're doing, or they're putting it in stores. Which again, like you said, it's testing the waters. It's just yeah, a glancing blow. That's kind of where we come to this recent event with the Max where there's a lot of experimental things that are happening. We'll, we'll pivot here a little bit. And, and this is why we brought Greg on. We uh, had an Apple event. It was the third Apple event that was pre-packaged. 
Still awesome, by the way. I love love that. WDDC was the same way. I almost said the Scott version, WDZZZ. Sorry, that I, I tripped over myself. <laughs> the weird thing was like, I could watch this Apple event on my Xbox, Greg. You, you can too on a PlayStation, by the way. Yeah. Apple TV came to Xbox and PlayStation, and you could still do audio description, which made me feel like I don't need to buy another Apple TV ever again. So that was kind of cool because I don't have a 4k Apple TV. I have one of the 1080 P's and this was really a momentous occasion, but it started off kind of slow. Here's Tim walking through the commissary and walking into the theater. And he seemed jovial as, as best you could be in a big empty room that was made for thousands to talk about Apple's change in direction that they had already talked about earlier this year in moving away from Intel Max. And they announced three products. They announced a new MacBook Air. They announced a new MacBook Pro. And they announced a brand new Mac Mini using the M1 chip. And that is a variation now if you are playing your Apple Bingo cards at home. Uh, the S chip, the W chip, as Greg mentioned just a moment ago, uh, the U the U chip was it U um, U one? Uh, it's the U one. Uh, ultra it? wideband, the UW oh, UWB That's chip. It. That's it. So we have all these chips to keep up with, uh, which is fine because there's a bunch of SKUs out there. That's easy. Greg, how did you feel about how they presented this? There was a a bunch of numbers. There was a bunch of pageantry. There was a lot of this thing is three times faster than that thing. How did you feel about this? Was this more smoke and mirrors? Was this more pageantry or was this really something that we should pay attention to? So I was reading Applevis yesterday. I actually read, um, I was reading Alex Hall's uh, sort of summary article. And I, I tend to agree with the statements that, that he was saying in that, you know, there's a lot of numbers and a lot of comparisons. And until we get these in the hand, it's hard to know exactly what they're comparing if you're comparing apples to apples or apples to oranges and things like that. And I think overall, the number one thing that you're going to see is that these are going to be the laptops that have the most power and, and have the best battery life for the power that you're going to get. Um, that's a pretty clear comparison. I believe the original MacBook Air had 11 hours of web browsing and 12 hours of video playback. And now this one, you get uh, what is it, 15 and 18, if I remember correctly, on a MacBook right. Air. And the, and the right. Pro is even better. You get 17 and 20. So, I mean, for a laptop, that's unheard of in, in this day and age. And it's funny because I was joking around my friend because we're in pandemic world right now. And I'm like, I don't use my laptop when it's not plugged in right now. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, that, that the right. battery life concept is like foreign to me, right? I'm just like, when would I need this for 17 hours? But if you think back to the before time when we were traveling and in airports and on planes and yeah, you know, going around conferences. Oh yeah, battery life. I've gone through seventeen deal. hour battery life. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, and, and and that diminishes a couple hours over time too. So seventeen becomes fourteen or fifteen or whatever. You just you can get that entire day in an airport. That's not entire to do. No, and it's pretty <laughs> impressive. I mean, compared to when when you take the speed numbers that they're talking. You know, Apple doesn't, I don't think they give you direct speed comparisons there. They they always do, you know, X times faster than the nearest Intel chip or the the, the Intel base Mac or the whatever. 
I, th- I was reading a, uh, a Geekbench article earlier looking at some Geekbench scores. I think it was a, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, I think it was clocked at around, they, they approximated at about 3.2 gigahertz speed when you're looking at just, because there's, there's eight cores and you have the sort of, I would say the, the low intensity cores and then the high intensity cores. And for most of the stuff that the everyday user is going to be doing, which is web browsing, emailing, document creation, stuff like that, you're only engaging the high battery efficiency cores. The other ones are only used when you're doing high intensive work. And at that point, it really can ramp things up. So if I remember correctly, they were saying that just using the four base cores that they have is faster than your traditional dual core uh, Intel based Mac. So, you know, it's pretty impressive when you put it in those perspectives. But like I said, until we have these in hand and until we're actually comparing them in real world scenarios, I think it's it's not something that I would personally jump out and get right away. I'd like to see what the real life scenarios look like. But it is impressive. I mean, it's especially when you look at battery life. I mean, of all the things that I look at today in today's technology, you know, we've we've gotten almost as thin and light in a phone and a laptop as you can possibly get, right? So where's the next place we need to improve? And they're already trying to improve the cameras. They're, they've been trying that for, for years now. But the battery is the number one thing that people want, right? And that's actually what the iPhone 12 this year is getting really kind of knocked back on is because the iPhone 11 was really, they they had improved on the battery life. So so kudos to Apple for really doing a great job on the battery life on, on Macs. That was kind of the next big step forward. I was confused with marketing this year because we just came, you know, seven months ago from Intel refresh and we just had a case made for why this is the greatest iPad in the world. And I'm, I'm literally in a quandary as to what could I, or should I replace to keep up with the Joneses in Apple world? Because my, my iPad air two was great, uh, but it's getting long in the tooth. And do I consider you know, the iPad as the replacement. And Shelly and I talked about that in September. And here comes these things, which by all intents and purposes, these are kind of like iPads, you know, it's just integrated keyboard. Yeah. The only thing you're giving up is touch. I mean, is that really, if you don't want a touch screen device from Apple, you stay in the Mac world. But if you want to have that simplification of touch, and truly be an iOS. And and I don't know how long we'll be there either because the iOSification, Shelly hates that word, iOSification of the Mac is happening. Yeah, you you're you're definitely seeing that. I think and I'm I'm probably not the right person to ask. Um I I use both a PC and a Mac on a regular basis and and in my in my previous career I used exclusively a Mac and I can tell you that for the the everyday web browsing and, and things like that, I'm okay with it. I will say now that I'm back on a PC for work, I definitely find it to be personally more more efficient in, in a lot of cases. And I think some of that has to do with some of the lingering voiceover bugs or inefficiencies that exist on Mac for me. I, I've, I've run into many scenarios where I'm getting the the you know busy message repeatedly over and over again and you have to either shut down your your voiceover you have to shut down the 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 website you're on or the the interface that you're on 
And I've seen those for years. And don't get me wrong, every screen reader has challenges. I mean, <laughs> so it's not like they, they, don't, they don't crash or anything like that. I just remember, you know, a little bit more frustration in those experiences. So having said all that, you know, the fact that you can now go on the Mac App Store and see iOS apps that you're familiar with and know the interface. And if you are familiar with the voiceover iOS gestures, you generally can use the trackpad on the Mac in the same gesture fashion, right? So the learning curve is generally there. I think where iOS users are going to really struggle, at least initially, especially those who believe that they can go right to a Mac and use a, an iOS experience and things like that is the concept of interacting. In order to do things in applications, you have to interact with each section of the screen. They take a very visual approach to it, and it's a very universal design approach, but it's also using concepts that don't exist in, or, or they do exist. I know NVDA does kind of the interacting concept, but traditional screen reader usage don't use that kind of method. And so I think when you go to the Mac and you're trying to take an iOS approach, some changes are going to be necessary because it's not going to translate directly. Yeah. I find uh, many people on my timeline, Victor, Saren, and others I, that just jumped to mind who can give me a quick rundown. Uh, I imagine I'll see it again when Big Sur releases on uh, November 12th at the time of this recording, where people will give you a quick rundown of whether this shakes out to be better or not. During pandemic, I'll just say this, just from an experiential point, I've seen people do the exact same thing Greg is talking about, where they've moved back to Windows devices for stability. That seems really strange to say. But, you know, the operating system changes every year and Windows for all its quirks until this year really didn't start to change the core experience. Now we're losing control panel and the start menu has changed, but they're not, they're not huge changes like what can happen when Apple updates voiceover each year. And a great way to keep up with that stuff also, by the way, is Shelly's book. Remember iOS access for all. Get a plug in for the book, even though Shelly is not here. It's an Apple show. It's the law. It's how it works. It's the law. <laughs> she said she already had done four this week. I said, don't blame her. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was like, man, she's, she's talking everywhere. She's on double tap. She's on all this. Good, good grief. Man, you're booked. Good, good luck. And to be fair, this was a short event. It was 45 minutes. They did get into some of the real guts of these systems. I just felt really weird in how this was presented because never were the letters AMD mentioned. And there was so much Intel vitriol, if you will, that it almost becomes the thing that I talked about with, you know, our computer show where with Patrick and Alex, where I've been conditioned where I couldn't think to get out of the box and consider an AMD chip. And, you know, those two did. I don't think it's Intel is the person you're supposed to be kind of taking a pinata stick to. I think it really is. AMD is the the future. You see them just, you know, just obliterating benchmarks and doing things in cloud computing. So NVIDIA is right there behind them. So I think that's the bigger thing. There's, there's a lot of limitations on these new devices. The ports there are not that many. You're going to rely on integrated graphics. There's no user upgradable RAM. Not that that was an easy thing to do on MacBooks prior anyway, but 16 gigs is all you're going to get. And you're going to pay a hefty premium for that as well as 
the memory that's on board these devices. Specking one of these out, you easily get into the two grand section uh, yeah. fast. And even looking at the Mac Mini, you're looking at six ninety nine, eight ninety nine, and all you're really doing is is jumping in. I think there's a little more. There were some articles that were out, which I thought was kind of funny. That said, the only difference between the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro was a fan. I think I don't know that that's really true, but you know, it was like $300 difference between going for the early air and the pro. And and let's be honest, does the old adage of never buy the first Apple anything apply here? Is this a paid beta test, a loyalty test, if you will? I mean, I, I think that this is a scenario where Apple's doing what Apple does best, right? They marry their own hardware and their own software to do the best user experience job that they can do, right? And they were relying on Intel's chips before they weren't creating their own. So this is the next evolution to what they're doing, right? It makes Apple sense what they're doing here. Having said all that, I think from a user experience perspective, there's going to be some bumps in the road. And and that's just my sort of thought or prediction is you know, this is going to be the first time we're going to have iOS apps on a Mac and we're going to have these new chips brought in. And I would expect that Apple's going to generally have the, the, the high quality that they're going to have. I, I did see a lot of confusion and, and I'm personally confused by that question you, you asked. What's the difference between the Pro and the Air? And I'm, I didn't see confirmation. I, I'm, I'm assuming that the Pro is sped up it's a it's you know a higher speed processor the the cores are clocked higher but i didn't see any numbers on that so there's that i know there's a lot of concern about the gpus as well because you've you've got the onboard graphics but it looks like the eGPU that others are using are not compatible with these devices anymore so you're you're only using the graphics processors that are on this chip end of story yeah jay was there anything about the event or the news out of the event that had you thinking about, wow, I need a Mac or what's the difference? Between, How long have you known me? Well, X and Y. <laughs> Although, okay. So that's it. In all seriousness. Yes. It, the, the thing that is most intriguing to me is the possibility of running iOS apps. I'm looking at a, a nine to five article and they, by the way, they ran the, the M1 chip versus a 16-inch MacBook Pro, and they're the M1's outperforming it, so maybe we can get a, a sh- look at the show notes, and you might find uh, some links and things there as far as what's going my, my concern on the iOS app thing especially is voiceover on the Mac and voiceover on the iPhone are two very different beasts as far as how they operate. And I realize this is not a unique-to-voiceover situation. I mean, any part of an app, you're going to have to kind of rectify the differences between Mac and iOS, and it's going to take years to get it all to sing chromebook's been running android apps for a few years but i don't think it's gone terribly well and you know i I think it's going to take a little bit of time that's intriguing to me if it's one less developer session you know as far as if you can develop for mac and ios and do it at the exact same time i definitely think that means you're going to see more mainstream apps that might have been windows only before come to the mac which could ultimately help the adoption of macs because if you look at the market share of Apple, sometimes the Mac market share is lower because you need a particular piece of software that's only available on Windows. So kind of chicken and egg. No, I mean, there's nothing. I'm not the target market, though. But I mean, I know for education, especially, obviously, it's often between Macs and iPads or Macs and Chromebooks. And if you can 
the more you can make the Mac and the iPad especially interact with each other and the more symmetry you can find there, I think you will have a better case for selling more iPads and selling more Macs as opposed to schools buying Chromebooks or other things. So there's an answer that went all over the place. <laughs> that was a line they specifically said during the event. It was, imagine, you know, the, imagine using the same thing on your iPhone, then to your iPad and then to your Mac, you know, <laughs> where it was so weird. And all of the money you spent the to make that happen. Steve Jobs talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve Jobs had said it was, you know, cars and trucks. He always envisioned uh, devices as cars and trucks and you use, you know, some things like cars and you big heavy, but how many families own, but yeah, you know, uh, how many families own a car and a truck for the same person? I don't don't know if I like that. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) well, and I love the idea of continuity. Don't get me wrong. I think that's really neat. And I, it's great that you can do that. I just don't know how many scenarios where that works. And exactly like you said, it's the same way we talked about with the, um, using the Apple watches, the SE as child trackers and Shelly put it best that you could, it's going to be expensive. And you know, that's really it for someone who wants to be all in, uh, it's there for them. And, and here comes back to my normal caveat, which is that is cool. I still stand by when Apple does its own thing on its own, it's the best thing that can happen. It's, it's them being boutique niche, always works out better for Apple. It's when they try to do everything that makes me wonder coming back to my Apple TV thing. Now I have Apple TV on my Xbox. Is that not going well? No, anyway. Uh, So (laughs) it's fascinating to me when they try to present these in these certain tones and forms, but you know, to bring back John Hodgman, the PC from Mac and PC. And I guess for those of you guys in the UK, that would be, uh, That'd be Robert Webb and uh, David Mitchell because it was Mitchell and Webb who did the uh, Apple commercials in uh, for PC versus Mac back in the day in the UK. Bringing back, you know, old marketing, I just couldn't tell. It was like, okay, you brought back Rosetta. You brought back this. I'm like, I don't know what's new and what's old anymore. I'm all confused. I'm so uh, freaked out. I do like the idea of a new Mac Mini, though. So that's what I'm currently looking at. I just... I don't know. I just don't want to get in and on the early way. And we don't know about how these things are going to work with virtualization. Microsoft at the time of recording has offered that they're going to make office for the M one chip. So they're going to do an optimized version of that. And I think that's what we're going to see is we're going to find some big companies like Adobe, Microsoft, make these hero apps, these show off pieces. And then it's going to be up to the individual developer to figure out where they want to go. Unless they're like a dark sky and got bought up by Apple. And then, yeah, I guess you're going to do that. And I know that there's this concern about the number of displays that you can connect to these new M1 chips as well. And it looks like, at least from what 6K. I can... 6K. Yeah, 6K. Totally 6K. So I've got that lying around on my desk. Uh, but you can have, it looks like, up to two 6K monitors connected to the Mini But from what I'm reading, it looks like you can only have one additional monitor connected to the Air and the Pro in addition to your laptop screen itself. And, you know, my my first reaction was like, oh, well, do people need that many monitors? But I was reading a bunch of threads earlier about this, and it does seem like, especially for software developers, 
who need bigger screens and things like that, it's pretty common to have two monitors connected to your laptop. So that this was, you know, as a as a blind user, I've never used more than one screen, but uh, at the same time, it, it seems like it's it's a much bigger deal to some folks. Well, Sidecar became huge during the pandemic and streamers use it a lot because they'll use a second screen to be able to watch their chat or social media or even just to monitor their actual output. Jelly talked about how, you know, she's done her setup so she could kind of monitor things when she's doing some of the mainstream shows. It's nice for web development too. So there, there are some real world scenarios for things that other people would do. And even if we think about it in the way of uh, video magnifiers, there are not a lot of USB-C video magnifiers out right now. Uh, doesn't mean that things won't change. It took a while for us to get video magnifiers on the Chromebooks, but that eventually happened because of low vision international and others. So it's going to take a while rolling this back to assistive technology and blindness. Can we have a set of AirPods and a Bluetooth display and a braille display connected into this? And, you know, do you have to upgrade your braille display? So you're more USB-C friendly. Those are all questions we'll have to see because we don't know right now. So actually, to that point, I've been kind of looking, comparing the small form factor PCs, because I've had a dream for a while, and I may have mentioned this to you guys before, it's probably come up on a show, of if I don't carry a laptop around, can I do a situation where I have a Braille display, and then, yes, my phone, I realize my, my particular phone is not good at all with Braille, and some other portable computing option, Intel NUC, Mac Mini, the Azul Access 3, I haven't heard of this, but it looks like it's tiny. That one is a stick, one of those stick PCs, 5 by 2 by 0 0.6 So that is pretty small. I don't know how powerful it is. The reason I'd want to go that route. Ultra? Yes, small talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the reason I want to go that route is because I want to look at, and sorry to bring in work for a half second, I want to go to either the Mantis or the Q-Braille because that would give me the QWERTY. It would give me the Braille display. And then I, you know, but if I do that, I don't want to carry that in a laptop. So I'm still on the hunt trying to figure out a situation where you have a small form factor computer because, you know, phones haven't got to the point where they do everything you need yet when you travel. At least for me, I, there are certain apps that I want the computer. So having some sort of small form factor computer plus one of those Braille displays, you know, to give me the keyboard, you know, and... Uh, we're there. We're almost there. Maybe there's maybe someone before, figure this out before Greg says anything. Full disclosure, Ricky and Lisa have mantises. So for full disclosure, I know people, especially one that I'm living with, have a mantis and they love them. So just well, and then, friends and, yeah, of the show and, as and, well as yeah. show. And, and to be fair, that the, the mantis versus Q-Braille, that's the easy part of it. I can figure that out. Yeah. I'm more stuck on the computer side of that. I don't want to carry that and a laptop. Yeah, no, I think you hit it on the head. It depends here. Like, you know, you're unless 2020 is really 2020, I don't know if I see JJ Meadow getting a Mac Mini, but you can let me know if, I, if I'm wrong here. <laughs> Dual boot, but, I, but yeah, probably not. It, but, <laughs> when 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 joe asked you you know do you see a situation where you would find yourself getting one of these m1 things i'm like all right 2020 here's your real test right here let me know <laughs> right. jj would like to spend the rest of the show talking about google lookout and uh <laughs> and right. the queue 
But no, you're right. I think this is a scenario where if you can find a small enough PC and you use, you know, a keyboard like the Mantis or like the Cubrail, you know, the biggest thing you you need to, to double check is that they're recognized as official keyboards in the device. And then you can use them if they're recognized by HID keyboards, then you can use them without a monitor at that point and you can, can completely control the thing. So that's one of the, the things that I, you know, I, I think we're almost there and I don't know the requirements for some of those small computers, but, you know, if you plug in a a Bluetooth or a USB keyboard into most computers, even without a monitor attached, you can do something with them, right? So, right. And I guess the other part to point out is uh, for a lot of them, you would have to have some sort of portable battery pack solution as well, correct? Um, or plug it into the wall. So, there's that's the other little piece. But yeah, the, the idea of a, a braille display with you know all that built in, you know, I think that's how you maximize that technology. And yeah, whether it wouldn't be for a Mac for me, but for some people, it may. So, that is. Why I mentioned that there. Well, and for a braille driven user like yourself to have that device and sit in another room and control, you know, your phone or your PC or whatever. That's what Ricky does is, is with the Mantis. She sits upstairs and, oh, I forgot to do something on my computer and blip, 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 you know, and she's loved it because, you know, she's strengthening her braille skills, but she's always been QWERTY first. But I'm and not. So, you say that, Joe. I'm not a Braille-driven user. because I mean, I know Braille. I'm a great Braille reader. But my hang-up with the you know displays largely has been, okay, as soon as I need to do something that's not typing, I'm reaching up to the computer to do function keys and things like that. That's why these newer generation of displays excite me. Because other than reading back some notes or connecting a Brilliant or something else while I'm on the go, I haven't been a Braille-first user. And I'm a programmer. So I should be. Right. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's a scenario where I think, Jay, it's this, a is, yeah, yeah. Th- this is a situation where you, especially being a QWERTY, I, you're a QWERTY first guy, right? So, I mean, yeah. all of your coding is on a QWERTY keyboard and things like that. I mean, there's not a better time to look at displays than now because you, you do have these options. Yeah. And I think, you know, the part that I'm not, you know, pitching one or the, over the other, but one thing that I, I am excited about now is that Braille displays are looked at in the same light as every other device in the world, right? So we're looked at as an HID tool now rather than needing to do this serial over Bluetooth or, you know, interact with, interface with a, a screen reader in a, a, a sort of a, a backwards way. And so now this is, you know, I've always mentioned with a device like the Mantis, even if your screen reader dies, I don't have to come back to my regular keyboard on my laptop to turn it back on because it is a, a human yep. interface device. So to me, that Absolutely. that's just a really exciting piece of the Braille display puzzle in general is that now we're looked at as sort of a first-class citizen. We're not trying to create this hacky way of connecting, right? Exactly. It took us a long time when we finally are just about there. Some screen readers more than others are a little kicking and screaming into that, but we're, we're, we're headed there. So yep. it's good to see that for sure. Did we hit on all the things you wanted to talk about in regards to Apple today, Greg, or is there still some in your uh, Apple store fanny pack? Six years like of podcast pen up anger that you wanted to. <laughs> can I, can oh, I just I'm say that I could, I could totally get on board with this new Apple you know, event presentation style where you're in, you're out in 45 minutes and it's done. Yes. Like that, that, I'm, I'm a fan, man. Like when this was done before, you know, it started at 12 o'clock central and I looked up at the clock and it was 1245. I was like, whoa, all right, this is, I can get on board with this. They keep getting shorter. And they found a way to shove in a bunch of celebrities. It was, uh, 
Well, they, they could release a, a press release, which doesn't have the mystique or magic and the ability to say buttery smooth from Craig, <laughs> at least every time <laughs> we have a new bingo card moment, buttery smooth. We really think you're going to love it, which has shown up. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. That, that one, that one's usually in the bottom corner of my bingo card, but yeah, that, that one's definitely there. That's and right. then Tim to come back out and say things and overemphasize them slowly in order to remind you what you've already seen today. Yeah. Those are the best. Those are, those are great. Uh, but it's a formula that works. You can't, can't I, argue I, with it. I do enjoy the fact that you have all these predictions of what, you know, these different websites are like, Oh, well, in addition to the max, Apple's going to release the, you know, the studios <laughs> and the air tags and whatever else. And they've been saying that air since power. whatever it is. Yeah. Air power since September. Right. And they're like, Oh, this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. I do love that. They're like, Nope. Just the max. That's all we're doing. Bye. And they said it one more thing. They didn't say right. three more things. They said one more yeah, thing. They even told you. So, and <laughs> yeah, right there in the title, they delayed Big Sur, waited, waited for it. So it's going to be an interesting time. Like Greg said, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take, uh, as Tim Cook already said, you know, years. It took three years for the switch from Power PC into the Intel world. And it will take a, you know, a little bit of time because you just don't purge an entire fleet of Macs overnight. It takes Apple years to get rid of phones with uh, headphone jacks in them. So, <laughs> and they will, as we see the 5C hit vintage this week, Jay. Sorry. Mm. Oh, well. No, you're broken up. I All still miss mine every day. Uh, so let us know in the uh, comment section of this particular episode, hit us up on Twitter or just go ahead and email us feedback at blindbargains.com to let us know if you were moved to the point where you got to be on the wave first wave of these new devices, or you're going to sit back and let I fix it, tear it down and tell us more about it or hear how people are doing over at Apple this, uh, who decide to be early adopters. It's certainly an interesting time. A good thing, though, is that uh, even if it's a butterfly 3.0 keyboard on these devices, which, you know, notice there wasn't too much talking about key travel, um, you can still use all your external devices that you might have used earlier. Greg mentioned about the large mouse pad on these. I have an external trackpad, tragic mouse pad, on my uh, big iMac. And uh, it's really weird to actually do big gestures on a pad that is not my iPad. It's, it's kind of a trip. So you've got ways around it. So even if you hit a bottleneck, there'll be a bunch of peripherals to help you get past that and uh, move you into what you're going to do next. Greg, man, thanks for coming on to come talk about Apple stuff with us. We appreciate it a great deal. Where can people find more of your witticisms and hopes for Mortal Kombat Ultimate? <laughs> you can find me at, at uh, <laughs> on on Twitter at G Stilson. Uh, it's probably the easiest way. And then, of course, uh, you can visit us at APH.org. But uh, it, it, thanks for having me on. And I look forward to seeing everybody in person, uh, hopefully real soon. Sometime. Someday. Cross-play in the new upgrade to uh, Mortal Kombat. And right, uh, Greg is... Uh, Saving his pennies so he can get the larger than life PlayStation five. I'm not sure where he'll put it in his entertainment center, but, uh, you know, we had, we had an Xbox series X and S release and a PlayStation five. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. It's not, well, otherwise you got to find the screw in the stand and turn that's it sideways. Right. I saw Liam getting one. Maybe half as tall as my TV. Yeah, Liam is. And it was really cool. We had accessibility reviews out from Can I Play That and others on day of. We had a brand new console release, and you could find out how to put it together as a blind person before the doggone thing shipped. That was super cool. Uh, you can find things like that over at my Twitter, Ranger Station, all one word. That's where a lot of the barbecue and review articles start out before I culminate them and put them out eventually over on Blind Bargains. And that's kind of our series of news bits that we we notice but don't really feel like we want to talk about on the show, but we still want to cover them because that's where a lot of our end-of-year predictions will come from. Oh, we, oh, that's right. No, no. no. Somehow, some way, <laughs> somewhere... We'll try and do some end of the year wrap up show, Jay. It's it's soon. I mean, I think COVID is going to be number one. Don't surprise me, twenty twenty. <laughs> we can't get anything bigger than that. Oh man! Wow! Oh, uh, you, <laughs> another story stolen. <laughs> if you want to uh, contact us on Twitter, Blind Bargains is the uh, Twitter handle to do that. You can also email feedback at blindbargains.com. That's always. Uh, the way to go there, someone was wrote AT guys and was asking about soundbars. I just sent them to you, Joe. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a Joe question. Oh, yeah, I did see that email. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, and like I said, contact us as well if you want to be on the Blind Bargains holiday cast as well. You mentioned to me before the show, we do need to uh, recognize a passing. We do. We sadly, someone we've interviewed before, uh, Jay looked this up in 2015, Shelly interviewed Tom Decker. Tom Decker. I've known Tom since 2000. Tom used to work with me at Work Connections, which was an assistive technology training facility in Houston. And I went on to work at the Division for Blind Services, and Tom continued there and became a state trainer to teach people in the state of Texas. And uh, we maintained a friendship throughout that time and a very caring, giving person Unfortunately, Tom had uh, stage four cancer and chose not to consider aggressive therapy and chose to go out on his terms. And I respect that. But at the same time, I am very sad to say that we were losing someone who gave a lot to the community and uh, did a lot in Canada, uh, moved up to Canada and did some great stuff, told me about the beautiful place where he was. Uh, and he was in a very happy place, which was really, really good. So our condolences to those who knew Tom or, uh, those who, uh, were aware of Tom's work. We'll have a link in the show notes to our interview with Tom and, uh, AT guys sold his products. We did. So, um, we connected with him right about the time of that interview. So Tom had the, the vision to create screenshot guides for iPhone so for a couple of years, he was producing Braille and print screenshot guides. So you could go to any of the screens on the iPhone and you could touch exactly what the layout was of the screen. So it was a very innovative product that we had up on uh, AT guys. So it was uh, great to work with Tommy. He was very uh, cordial, very, you know, I couldn't say a bad thing about him. It was very nice to work with. And uh, he certainly uh, will be missed. Just to go into the mainstream, wow, a lot of uh, similarities here. Another Canadian. I bring up Alex Trebek because obviously we know by now that he also passed away. I bring him up because Jeopardy, probably more than just about any other game show, has accommodated blind people in several different ways. Of course, Eddie Tamanis and a couple others uh, were blind and ended up on the show, did really well. 
Jeopardy also this year uh, made sure that their online test to get on the show is completely accessible. And of course, Alex has been synonymous with Jeopardy since I've been a little kid. And that will definitely not be the same. So I just wanted to, to recognize that as well. It was neat that I saw one or two of the tributes mention high rollers and the gentleman who wrote the celebrity Jeopardy sketches early on on Saturday Night Live mentioned high rollers. And that's how I got to know him. And it was a game where you rolled dice and you tried to match the numbers on the board. And he was just, just so nice. And I was like, oh, that guy's really cool in the days of, you know, Chuck Woolery on Wheel of Fortune back then. That's that's how long ago we're going. <laughs> Anyone under there, 40 right? is going to be like, Chuck Woolery was on Wheel of Fortune? <laughs> there was so somebody else besides Pat Sajak? <laughs> the right. Love Connection <laughs> guy? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, Chuck Woolery, you know, from Scrabble. Oh, wait, yeah. that's that's another old one. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, I go on all day about game shows. That'll be a we'll separate back Geekdom to show. We were talking about <laughs> that's that. my Geekdom for sure. Oh, dude. No. <laughs> Some other episode, uh, but... Uh, for sure. Th- thanks, Patrick, uh, for... Uh, yeah, we'll get into sale of the century. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick, for dealing with all of this and somehow putting it together. We do uh, appreciate you, as always. Um, Sony Trenatron 27-inch television with wired remote. Wired remote. Rem- wired yeah. remote, yeah. What is a wired remote? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are, that was a high-dollar television on sale of the century. I mean, that's great. Uh, it comes with hanger antenna. Uh, yeah, Patrick, thank you for helping us uh, put these together and the other shows as well. Uh, we look forward to talking to you guys super soon. We've got other stuff coming up and it's, uh, like Jay was talking about, I'm going to talk about, uh, soundscape soon. You know, oh, yeah. we mentioned Bose frames. Those still work with soundscape and there's some really cool stuff that just happened. So yes. we'll go into that at some point too. That's going to do it folks. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Greg. That's it. See you later. everybody. Be well. This has been another Blind Bargains audio podcast. Visit blindbargains.com for the latest deals, news, and exclusive content. This podcast may not be retransmitted, sold, or reproduced without the express written permission of AT Guys. Copyright 2020.